This podcast is for you, the modern man. I'm Dr. Ann Trung, your host. I'm an intimate health medical doctor and best-selling author of the book, Erectile Dysfunction Fix. I'll do a deep dive into sexual health and performance and how it affects men of all ages and backgrounds. So let's get started and be sure to visit my website at sexualhealthformenpodcast.com for more information and resources from the show. See you on the inside. Well, hello there. How are you guys? Well, how would you like to know what type of aphrodisiac food to eat that will really turn on your partner from a renowned aphrodisiac expert who is trained in France by the Culinary Temple, the Cordon Bleu, and an author of five books and a renowned speaker. Well, I'm here today with Amy Riley. She is an aphrodisiac food expert who's going to show us what type of food that is that are aphrodisiac and what type of meal prep that you can prepare for that romantic dinner. So, Amy, tell us about how you got started on aphrodisiac food and how was your story? Well, hi there. I, you know... I started writing about aphrodisiacs because I was working as a wine writer and I wanted to make more money. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just wanted to find I wanted to find a topic in the food world that was interesting to me and I could then I you know I could broaden the topics I could write about because I was working as a freelance writer there were more stories I could sell. Um, and I chose the topic of aphrodisiacs because number 1 there was hardly anyone writing or talking about it so you know, it was no competition. Um, and also it was a challenge because there was a lack of research and a lack of information. And I, I liked that challenge. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. There is not a lot of people that talk about aphrodisiac food, a lot of myth, but not from a culinary expert who's trained in France and culinary school. So that, that means a lot. So I, I, I heard a really interesting story about how you truly show that these aphrodisiac food actually really work. How is it? Yeah, they it? do. It's funny. People always ask me that, well, do aphrodisiacs really work? And well, I have a little bit of proof, which is that um, I was single when I was writing my first cookbook, which is called Fork Me, Spoon Me. And I had a friend who was male and... I, he was a bachelor and I knew he didn't really know how to cook. And um, when you're writing a cookbook, you test recipes over and over and over. And so you have a lot of food left over and it's probably the same food you've been eating for days or weeks or whatever. And you just kind of don't want to eat it anymore. So I was being nice. I would invite him over and say, hey, I have all this food. Why don't you come over and eat? And I just kept inviting him over. Um, and that's how we started dating. Well, that's great, but also he became your husband, right? He did. He then became my husband, and um, when I was working on my next cookbook, Romancing the Stove, I got pregnant. So, yeah, these recipes work, at least yeah. for one person or a couple. <laughs> and I, I love I love the titles of uh, your book, and you yourself have proven, hey, they work. I got married, and I had a baby, so... Yep. Uh, so that lead us into, so what, what is an aphrodisiac food? 
So an aphrodisiac food, basically the very simplest definition is a food that increases sexual desire. I look at the definition as something a bit more broad than that. Um, to me, there are so, like, if you look historically at foods that have been considered aphrodisiac, there's so many more reasons. And largely the foods that are historically considered aphrodisiac, we now understand they are foods that support sexual health. So, you know, there aren't that many foods that kind of can promote sexual desire, like in that moment, but there are so many foods that can help support sexual health. And, you know, that have been historically aphrodisiac. And so I like to, I like to embrace all of these things as, as being aphrodisiac foods. Yeah. So what, what's up? What are the top five aphrodisiac food? Ooh, the top five. So I always tell people, number one, they are different for men and women. Um, you know, our, our sexual hormones are different. Um, our nutritional needs are a little bit different. And so, I do, I have a website called eatsomethingsexy.com and on there we provide two lists, one of the 10 best foods for men's sexual health and a second with the 10 best foods for women's sexual health. Um, so, you know, to pick out five foods, it would be hard. Like, are we talking about men? Are we talking about women? Or are we just talking about here are five foods you need to serve at a romantic dinner? Because those are probably not, they aren't necessarily going to be the foods that are on either the men's list or the women's list. Um, lastly, it also depends on personal preference. Because I might tell you five foods and you hate three of them. Well, they're never going to work for you as an aphrodisiac, right? You're just not going to enjoy them. They're not going to put you in the right frame of mind. If I tell you you have to have oysters and champagne, my husband would like, he would walk away. I wouldn't be seeing him again at the table for weeks if I told him that's what he had to eat. Even though those two foods would probably be on my top five list. So, yeah, it's complicated is the answer. Yeah, so like, let's say in generality, let's say, you know, like we, we always hear eat oysters. Totally. You know, uh, eat oysters, yeah. Watermelon, you know, uh, um, you know, chocolate's always been known as an aphrodisiac, right? Yes. Oysters. Um, right. So oysters uh, are, are totally up there at the top of my list, but I know there are so many people who either have an allergy and intolerance or just can't stand them. And that's okay. Um, but if you do like oysters, yes, they are not, you know, they're not, they're, they're, they're oyster, an oyster is a sexy food and it's kind of a luxury food. And all of that can kind of put you in the right frame of mind. They also have a lot of nutrients that can support your sexual health. So absolutely um, right at the top of my list. Chocolate is a really, really interesting food. Um, it contains so many chemical compounds. We don't even understand chocolate yet, to be honest. There is the potential. There are compounds in chocolate that potentially can help your sexual health. There are compounds in chocolate that can potentially kind of turn you on. Um, chocolate can also give you a, a boost of energy because it does contain a, a caffeine-like compound as well. So chocolate is potentially great. It's not known how much chocolate you would need to eat to experience most of these effects. And so, you know, we kind of say with chocolate, it's probably more the power of persuasion, that power of suggestion, and simply the fact that it's delicious and creamy and melty and wonderful. Um, 
So there's that. Now, we did put dark chocolate on our list of the 10 best foods for women's sexual health, and you'll have to go to eatsomethingsexy.com to find out why. But um, other foods that I would put on my list of great aphrodisiacs, chili peppers. And people are always surprised by chili peppers. One of the best foods, especially if you're planning a romantic dinner. And keep in mind, you have to think about, does that person across the table from you or beside you, however you set up your table, do they like spice? Because if they don't like spice, do not take this advice. You know, you will just, it will, it will be a terrible evening. But if they enjoy spice, chili peppers raise your body temperature. They make your tongue tingle. They make your lips plump up slightly so you look more kissable. They can kind of make your cheeks flush and you just kind of look excited. Um, if you eat enough of them, you can even get an endorphin rush, like a runner's high, and you just feel like you can take on the world. All of that can help lead you from the table to the bedroom. So chili is right up there. If you don't like spice that much, you can always try ginger. It does a lot of the same things as chili, but it's more subtle. So those are all on the list. How, how, how does ginger uh, work as an aphrodisiac? That was the, that's the first I've heard of ginger as aphrodisiac. So, similarly to chilies, it will raise your body temperature. It's a warming spice. It will raise your body temperature. Um, it will make your tongue tingle. It will make your lips plump a little bit. Also, you know, ginger also has the bonus. It's, it's such a healthy ingredient. It can also aid in digestion which we don't think about is quite important. If you're having, you know, a romantic meal, you don't want to have heavy things that you can't digest or things that, you know, that can be upsetting to your digestive system. So a little ginger in there is always a good idea. That's a, that's actually a great idea. And how does, and you're also a wine expert as mm -hmm. well. You are a judge at wine competition. So mm -hmm. how does wine kind of add into these aphrodisiac food? Does it, pick it up another level or not, or, or does it really make you more relaxed? So, you know, all alcohol is considered aphrodisiac for the simple fact that it all lowers inhibitions. Of course, there's the other side of that where if you overindulge, like things go south very quickly. So, you know, with alcohol, you always have to find the right balance. That's part of the reason wine is a good choice because it's lower in alcohol than, you know, many, many, you know, than hard liquor. Um, I always recommend champagne or sparkling wine. That is my personal choice because, uh, first of all, it feels celebratory. It feels fun. Those bubbles hit your bloodstream and you have that bit of giddiness um, as you're drinking it, the other great part is because those bubbles hit your bloodstream and you feel the effects of the alcohol quite quickly, people tend to drink a little less. Like it's kind of like this built-in moderation when you're drinking sparkling wine and champagne. And so I, I do recommend it for romantic occasions for all of those reasons. And by the way, there's some evidence that sparkling wines can support brain health. So it may be making you a, a smarter, more creative lover while you're drinking it. So there's another good reason to uh -huh. enjoy it. Right. So like uh, in generality, let's say, you know, for someone that is pretty open-minded about different type of food, like what are like, the top, like, you know, three to five food that are aphrodisiac, let's say, you know, someone that likes chili and kind of like open like me. I like to try a little bit of everything. I have no 
particular type of allergy. Like the super weird foods or like, cause you no, know, I went to Aruba that. and they said to me, and, and even though you're, you're actually not supposed to eat iguana in Aruba, uh, I was sent, <laughs> I was sent by like the publicist for the Island of Aruba told me, go to see this food truck because you have to experience the Aruban aphrodisiac, <laughs> which was iguana soup. So, you know, there are some crazy ones out there. Um, but if you want something that's just maybe for a slightly more adventurous uh, eater, I always recommend instead of beef or lamb, if you want, you know, red meat, instead of beef or lamb, try wild game. Bison, wild boar, you know, something. And, and it's, it's because, um, that it actually is, you know, it is aphrodisiac there. It's more, it's a source of meat that's more supportive of your sexual health than beef and lamb. Um, you know, it's lower in saturated fat. It's giving you this good, you know, leaner protein that you need for sexual performance. Um, so that's a fun one. Um, let's see what else, like how exotic do you want me to go? <laughs> oh, as erotic as you can yeah. turn it up to level 10. Gosh. Um, you know, there are, I will say there are a lot of famous aphrodisiacs that are like endangered animals. And with all of them, there is no proof. There's nothing about a shark fin that will improve your sex life. Um, same thing with a rhino horn, you know, those things are, it's so terrible, um, that that has happened. And it's, and it's just because, you know, it's rarities, things that are luxury and rarity. Um, some of them you should just stay away from caviar. On the other hand, amazing aphrodisiac. Did you know caviar will, um, increase nitric oxide levels? Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, so that, for that, men, that's especially. Nitric yes. oxide increases blood flow. The same way. Yes, it increases blood. Increases yes, blood. yes, it increases. It's like nature's Viagra. And also, you know, it's a type of egg, which is a symbol of fertility, which was historically why it was considered aphrodisiac. And now we understand, like, it's got really got something to offer. Well, that's right. And that's probably why it's so expensive. Uh, <laughs> uh, really? I mean, that, there's yeah. some caviars that you buy a little bit a jar and it's like $100. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you are right. So and any type of food that increases nitric oxide or has right. L-arginine, L-citrulline, like, you know, exactly. watermelon. Watermelon. Honey. Yeah. Well, People well, forget well, honey will do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know that, I, that's how Viagra works. It's increased uh, uh, availability of nitric mm -hmm. oxide, availability in um, the muscles uh, of the genital, and that's how it help with an, uh, an erection, but instead of taking Viagra, you can actually stimulate it naturally right. by the food and, uh, that you eat, like these aphrodisiac uh, food that can increase uh, L-citrulline or L-arginine, which then increases nitric oxide uh, production, like you said, like caviar. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, you're right. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't thought about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, recently, but don't forget also that you know the the brain is a larger sexual organ, right? And that's why food it can be simulatory because you're using your your senses, uh, you know, um, taste as a simulatory for mm -hmm. into your brain, 
to start arousal because it, you nothing's gonna work below the belt if you don't start from here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Everything starts here. I, I I tell my patient that if this doesn't start relaxing and start be getting aroused and being in the mood, nothing's gonna work below the bell. Okay. Uh, the the sexual response starts here with uh, visual stimulation, smell, taste, yeah. sound, and mindset. Yeah, mindset. Yeah. Uh, just to you know, to be in the mood, to be in the moment, to be right. relaxed. Uh, believe it or not, in order for you to uh, have uh, a, a, be aroused and to be able to have an erection or to be aroused for a woman or man, you have to be relaxed or be in the parasympathetic state. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and how often do you hear like, oh, I'm stressed. I, I'm, uh, I'm not going to be able, I don't have time for uh, sexual activity. Because, and you're not going to enjoy it because you're just not in that mindset. mindset. And, that, and that's how food and a romantic dinner kind of set you in that mindset with the senses and the mood and the ambience yeah. uh, uh, as well. So in my second book, Romancing the Stove, we took that one step further and said, how can we make the foods a part of putting you in that mindset other than, you know, putting in suggestive ingredients or the, you know, things that I talked about. So what we did was I, wherever possible, the recipes have multiple textures and multiple temperatures in the same dish to kind of pull you into the moment more and give you this sensory experience to help you stop and appreciate this moment and the food and the person with you. Right. And, and, and something to know, and, and you had mentioned this earlier, is that food that are good for sexual health are usually low fat, you know, right. uh, low fat and a more uh, natural ingredient and uh, um, non-processed food. Because if you yeah. eat high, uh, high carb processed food, that actually contribute more to you know, um, high uh, fat content, which then uh, contribute to atherosclerotic heart disease or peripheral vascular disease, which then can contribute to decreased blood flow. Right. So, you know, lean meat uh, and uh, vegetables and yep. uh, more of... Uh, Less cream sauces, more, yeah, more, more light dressings and, yeah, all of it. Yeah. Right. Right. And not not a not, not a hamburger with French fries. Uh, no. Right. <laughs> Occasionally, but it's certainly not for a romantic occasion, and it's not an everyday thing. Yeah. Right. But certainly, you know, strawberry with chocolate sounds pretty healthy. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Strawberry, strawberry is an aphrodisiac too. Strawberry isn't is not only an aphrodisiac, but we, we put it on the list of the ten best foods for women because it's you know it's got a fair number of nutrients that will help support women's sexual health. So strawberries are great. That's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what advice would you have for a man in uh, preparing a romantic dinner? What, what type of kind of like dish would you kind of, uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, should look, she could uh, look at your book and go on your website to get the book, but just, like a dish that you would recommend that he can prepare? And is it going to take some time? Is is it going to take, you know, a lot of time to prepare at all? Okay. So first of all, I'm going to say there is no shame in takeout. 
if you don't feel up to making the dinner, you should still make the effort of having the other person over. But it's what you do with that takeout that's important, right? It's it's setting the scene. It's it's making it all feel special. Making the putting the takeout onto a plate and making it look, you know, making putting your signature on it and setting the table and what is the music and all of those things and putting your phone away. Right. So what, what type of food should he get at the takeout? Well, it depends on what the person that he is preparing this meal for what, likes. If they just love Chinese fried rice, then get them fried rice. You know what I mean? It's it's you know it's something that I do recommend. As we said, try to try to stick with lighter foods. Um, do not serve a big steak and a baked potato. Because generally, <laughs> after a big steak and a baked potato, you just want to go to sleep. Don't put someone to sleep with your meal. Um, and there is a recipe if you're if you're feeling like cooking. I also recommend think about things that can be made in advance or partially made in advance. For example, I have a recipe in my cookbook called moist mango meatloaf. Ooh, and you wouldn't think a meatloaf is romantic. It's a turkey meatloaf, but it's got mango in it, which is one of the world's sexiest foods. And it's so good. It's so good. It is worthy of a romantic dinner. But the great thing is you could like make it the night before, put it in your fridge, then get home from work, turn on the oven and put it in the oven. You are not stressed out. You are, you're, you know, you're not wasting your energy on like the panic of sauteing something, right. Or something that just doesn't come out. Right. Um, you know, make a simple salad to go with it. And you're just cool as a cucumber and you are ready to, you know, you are thinking about other things. You're thinking about all the ways you can seduce this person. And you have this amazing meatloaf that, believe it or not, is layered with aphrodisiac ingredients. Well, where, where is that uh, recipe at? What book is that at? So that's in my first book, Fork Me, Spoon Me. All right. So fork and spoon, guys. And you can get that <laughs> on uh, her website. Uh, and I will put that everything uh, on uh, uh, our show note. But her website is lifeofriley.com uh, slash uh, buy cookbook. And uh, again, that will be in the show notes. And she uh, is gracious enough to give us uh, actually uh, ingredients for her homemade chocolate truffle from her cookbook, Romancing the Stove. I love that title. And it's it, uh, chocolate truffle. And it looks like it only has like four ingredients. So, yeah. Uh, so from, from my cookbook, Romancing the Stove, that was me pre-children. This was the book I got pregnant making this book. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I never, never look like this again, but <laughs> I have a memory. I have a great memory of it. Um, anyway, it is a four, four ingredient chocolate truffle. If you thought you couldn't make your own chocolates, you will be so surprised at how wonderfully easy it is to make them. And I'm giving you all the secrets for free. Uh, and hopefully it'll inspire you to buy the whole book. That's right. And I would put that in uh, the show notes. And I am so glad that Amy is here to join us for this episode. I've learned something new as well. And I hope that you all learn something new and cook something today, this week, this month, or buy something that has the ingredient that she recommends. 
uh, and try it out. You never know who, who you're going to be cooking for and what may turn out for that night. So take action and follow some of these ingredients. Amy, thank you for being here uh, with me today. And thank you, everyone. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Sexual Health for Men podcast. If you love this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you post. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode and what you like to hear in the future. That will help me know what's great for you. And I would love to give you the most incredible free gift designed to help you improve performance quickly. Go to my website at sexualhealthformenpodcast.com to get the book, The Five Common Costly Mistakes Men Make When Facing ED. I would appreciate it if you subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and just know that you can have sexual vitality for life. I appreciate you. Until next time.